Hey, hey, everybody. If you're listening to this, you are listening to the first free hour of this episode of The Shift with Doug McKenty. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing to the show in order to access the full feature-length versions of the podcast, as well as have access to the Members Forum, where we discuss potential topics and interviews and dive deep into the overall concept of The Shift. For only six bucks a month, not only do you get the full-length episodes, but also an opportunity to co-create with me, your host, Doug McKenty, the future of the show. Go to www.theshiftnow.com or patreon.com backslash the shift and sign up today in order to help make the shift possible. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you are listening, you are listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKenty. This episode was recorded on February 14th, 2021. I'm pleased to announce Sasha Stone is my guest today on the program. Sasha has been a tireless advocate for personal liberation against the forces of colonization for over two decades, and is well known in the alternative media space for his ability to describe the unseen spiritual and psychological forces that work both to create the slave matrix, or dream spell, that entraps much of humanity, as well as the natural systems that have the ability to guide us into individuation and the recognition of our innate personal power. Sasha stands apart from most in alternative media as a result of his unique ability to access many of the most prominent influencers from around the globe, who seek to confront the powerful forces of colonization in order to return humanity to a peaceful, balanced, and sustainable future. His networks strive to promote an understanding of human progress based on a spiritual foundation reflective of holistic and integrative philosophies based on the concept of natural justice. His messaging urges those who will listen to awaken from the slumber of indoctrination into the Luciferian cult to participate in the ascension process that now propels humanity upward into the next level of cultural evolution. In order to promote this transformation, Sasha has engaged in a number of projects designed to produce real-world examples of a society motivated by personal liberation rather than social engineering and manipulative tactics of control. As a founding member of the Humanitad Foundation, Sasha strives to brainstorm and implement alternative and sustainable community organization by working with stakeholders from around the world. The International Tribunal for Natural Justice brings the best and the brightest from science, law, and politics together to assess criminal behavior on a global scale by members of the power elite, while advocating for the many who have been adversely impacted by these actions that so clearly violate the central tenets of common law and natural justice. Find out more about these organizations at www.humanitad.org. Sasha's latest incarnation, the Lazarus Initiative, seeks to facilitate a series of symposiums throughout 2021 designed to expose the crimes of the criminal cabal while offering solutions to awaken humanity into the next phase of human evolution. Go to sashastone.com and sign up for up-to-date information concerning the initiative, which debuts on March 21st. As always, go to www.theshiftnow.com for hours of free content, sign up for the newsletter, or subscribe for full feature-length versions of The Shift. You can also keep in touch on YouTube and Facebook at The Shift with Doug McKenty, on Twitter at DMcKenty, or look us up on Gab, MeWe, Brand New Tube, Minds, and other social media sites. 
Remember to like, subscribe, and share these podcasts as we rely on listeners like you to help spread the word. Without taking any more time, I want to thank Sasha Stone for agreeing to this appearance on the program, and thank you for helping to make the shift. And hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this 70th episode of The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. I'm joined today by Sasha Stone. Really happy to have him. Uh, he's been a very busy man in the scene for many years, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about, so I'm really excited to have him. Thanks so much, Sasha, for agreeing to be on the show. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, Doug, nice to, nice to see you. Nice to meet you, and uh, a very warm um, greetings from the balmy Southeast Asian archipelago, Bali, Indonesia. <laughs> Well, you know, I've heard about your work for a long time, and I'm excited to have you on the show because I think your particular strength is talking about the spiritual forces that are at work in the world today. And I wanted to kind of be able to take a step back because so many people, if they're not really awake to what's going on, if they're still stuck inside of the matrix, if you will, uh, you know, they have a tendency to kind of laugh or scoff or just completely misunderstand uh, alternative perspectives, indigenous perspectives, uh, Eastern perspectives that um, really create a different paradigm, a different way of looking at life. And, um, and then I wanted to really kind of get down into the bare bones because a lot of people also struggle to understand exactly how this matrix is created that they're living inside of. Um, the, the metaphors that I like to use when I'm talking about this is essentially that there's, if there's a yin and a yang of consciousness or, or metaphysics or spiritual thought on the planet, then on the one side we have sort of this empire consciousness uh, or this colonized mind. And then on the other side we have maybe what you could describe as an indigenous consciousness, um, which includes, uh, you know, shamanism, Taoism, Eastern philosophy, things like that, Ayurvedic thought. Um, and I just wanted to kind of like really give the audience an understanding of, of how these two different forces are working against one another. A lot of times, um, people in the scene are throwing out words, uh, Luciferianism, Saturnalianism, uh, the Sabbatean, Frankist Sabbatean movement, things like this, uh, or the Illuminati. And, um, people don't really understand, you know, what, what they're talking about or what those things mean, or because they're so foreign to the paradigm that they were raised within, uh, you know, they just kind of skip over it. They don't understand it. And then they just call it conspiracy theory and blow it off. So maybe we could start, well, why don't we start with your own personal story, actually? How were you raised? And then how were you, you know, in terms of your, your personal growth and your level of awareness, how did this kind of transformation maybe happen for you? Respectfully, I, I don't want to dwell for longer than 30 or 40 seconds on my backstory because it's so mm. boring, and certainly for me now. But I, mm. I grew up in Africa in a war, uh, the war for independence for Zimbabwe. So I grew up in Rhodesia, which became Zimbabwe, and I was a, a refugee, stateless for nine years after the war. Um, so lived um, understanding the sort of disparity between the living and the dead, between the, the, the citizen and the stateless um, you know, pile of bones walking around. So I, I got a very clear picture in my late teens throughout my 20s to the, the fiction of government and the fiction of states and crowns and what all of that bullshit represented. Right. So that's part of my own background story and, and in, in then going forward to define what is it that, uh, uh, that architects and engineers war and disease and poverty and uh, caring genuinely about that subject because I'd grown up being butchered by it. 
Um, and that's been my journey. My journey has been a, a genuine straight line in search of pure truth um, as it relates to how uh, fucked up we are as a species and what those elements are that um, the cauldron of the human condition. And the more I went into that, and because I had a, a modicum of, of access and celebrity and what have you in, in, in my rock and roll um, years, I was able to springboard into getting access to meet with all the, the great and good at that time, talking about whatever, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So having access to the Dalai Lamas and the Nelson Mandelas and the king of this and the queen of that was a great way for me to be able to go and sit down and have those conversations directly with leadership. And that just led to more doors opening and more doors opening and more doors opening. And because of my natural kind of slightly rock and roll shock poet irreverence, that was, I think, a welcomed, um, that was a kind of welcome texture in the portals of power. So I was kind of often received, you know, by a president or whatever as a kind of oddity um, because I was known to be a, a citizen diplomat, hard activist campaigner, looking to understand certain things and also launching various initiatives along the way. I mean, I'm, I'm the biggest failure in, in modern history, probably in terms of the output of the work I've done that hasn't succeeded. The initiatives I've tried to launch have been a, a dismal failure nine out of 10 times. <clears throat> but I, I am born with this kind of uh, white African resilience and, and it's not an arrogance, but it's stamina. I've got tremendous amounts of stamina. And I, I will always dust myself down and go right back into the fight um, until I win. So that's my way. Um, and that's my story. Now, th that said, um, I, I've because of my genuine interest in the pursuit of uh, inquiry as to what is behind the human condition, you naturally get drawn into the Sabbatean Frankist <laughs> agenda. You, mm -hmm. you naturally have to move into understanding the chess play or trying to understand the chess play and because i'm able to then study things and then also corroborate them with leadership because i've got that access that's been an amazing advantage and i think that's possibly what's marginally interesting about my voice is that there is a there's a lot of corroboration with what i say so i don't just come out as some um angry long-haired um you know lunatic screaming against the system I, I, I'm doing it on behalf of people who are trapped in the system. And I'm oftentimes speaking uh, the words of the frustrated leadership themselves. So what I've learned is that most people are good people by far, even at the top of the pyramid. This is what most people don't get, but then most people are stupid. The, the demographic of people that you described at the front of this interview, I don't foundationally respect. So let me qualify what I mean by that. The kind of people who are asking questions, but not really asking questions. Mm -hmm. They're asking questions because they're pedestrian and suburban and lazy, and they're too busy plugged into the pornography of trivia or Netflix or daytime TV, or you know, football, whatever. No disrespect. If that's your gig, enjoy it. But round about now, when we're facing the gravest existential threat to our species, you're a moron, you're an imbecile. And frankly, it's unconscionable that you're not focused absolutely on what's going on in front of you. Because right now, your government has gone rogue. The Catholic Church went rogue centuries ago, okay? The Catholic Church became your government. And your government is now trying to kill you. Simple as that. And, and the, the travesty is that 85% of people in the government 
whether you're talking parliamentarians or legislators, legis legislators or, or, or bureaucrats and technocrats, are decent people, most of them. I still think they're morons because I don't know how anyone has the conscience to be able to take a paycheck from Cronus when Cronus is, is desecrating the fabric of human soul. When what's going on in hospitals and clinics and, and, and the public health sector today is so satanic and so evil, mm -hmm. I don't know how those functionaries live with themselves beyond a certain point. I'm talking on a daily basis practically to countless people who are an exodus of medical professions who are leaving hospitals. 18 nurses in one hospital in Canada in the last few days, all mass resignation. Why? Because they refuse to go against their conscience and their Hippocratic oath any longer. They refuse to take rogue statutes from an, a satanic uh, public health sector operating on behalf of the corporation masquerading as a government, operating on behalf of the central bank or reserve bank of that country, operating on behalf of the Bank of International Settlements and the satanic and luciferic interests in Davos and the Bilderbergers and elsewhere. So that trickle-down effect is, is kind of locked and loaded. And good humans are standing up and stepping away and going, I'm not paying my life force. I'm not abrogating my conscience uh, by, by fulfilling these rogue uh, ordinances or regulations any longer. So that's the great awakening that's occurring. And that's the thing that I've spent over 20 years waiting to happen. So you look at me today, I'm the happiest man in the world. I was the unhappiest man in the world 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, 22 years ago, because I knew about the fiction. I knew about the satanic aspect. I knew about what was happening in the basement. I couldn't articulate it particularly. But now I see that that's crept out of the basement. And to use apocryphal language, the beast of the sea has now clambered or slithered onto the land and is now in plain view. That, to someone like me, is an amazing revelation. That tells me that we've won. That tells me that it's that it's humanity and God. If you want to, you know, create that combo, uh, I would say it's the Adamites. So to answer your question or to move into the dynamic of your question, what is it that we are? We are the Adamite. We are we are made of clay. We are coming from the earth, the telluric forces of the earth. We are all of this incredible stuff that makes up Tara or Gaia. So that's the Adamite, and we emerge in our primal innocence, in a sense, as clay, as we're birthed through the mother's uh, canal and then docked into this insane world by doctors giving birth to vessels, merchandise, shackle, all of which is indentured immediately from birth to the crown, to the state through registrations. And we are fictionalized into dead souls at birth. Nonetheless, that blessed creature that's coming squawking out of its mother's womb is the Adamite. Then the problem is the cult programming begins from that day. Mm -hmm. And the cult programming is compounded by cultural proclivities and, and religious proclivities and social mores and familial mores. And all of this cult programming completely mutates that Adamite creature born of clay into what? into becoming some mindfuck drone class plantation slave in the 21st century that can just about, you know, work out that it has its own soul, but doesn't know, doesn't have a navigation set. That's most of us have that kind of um, cult programming afflicting us. And all that seeks to do is to disrupt that natural innate connection.
source that the Adamite is born with. So we have to really get back to, to the source coding and learn to receive people, souls into this world, step back, do no education at all, none. So that's a, you know, what I've just said is shocking to most of the suburbanites that you referred to, right. the most pedestrian people, because we think in terms of education and economics and ecology, but all of those are the cult programming. And we fail to apprehend that. You don't need to count one plus one equals two on a piece of paper. You know how to count apples and oranges innately as, as an Adamite. In fact, you know how to calculate so much more when you're not educated. You learn to observe the sun, moon, and stars and the seasons. You learn to connect with your senses, your, what your eyes see, what your gut feels, you know, what you hear, what you would, you, you compute properly, organically, and as a sentient, blessed soul when you're not being educated. So it all comes back to that essentially. That's the big battle that you were describing in your opening preamble between them and us. It's mm -hmm. all about the degree to which I choose or permit myself to be cult programmed by it. Yeah, so let's talk about this. I mean, um, you know, again, I would completely agree with you about this concept of, of that the vast majority of us, if we were raised inside of this system, have been basically indoctrinated into a cult. But where does that cult come from and what's at the top here? I mean, you've even described uh, people in leadership positions that you've met and discussed, you know, personally who are also frustrated about this force that's at work that they don't seem yeah. to be able to touch. And so it's like, and that's the thing about it is it seems to be at, at such a high level, at such the top of the pyramid that it's hard to put your finger on exactly, you know, who or what. And then yeah. for and then for people to be able to wake up and understand that there is some force that's actually manipulating them on this higher level, you know, it's challenging because they've been indoctrinated and they have cognitive dissonance and they can't see outside of what they're getting on, you know, the nightly news or the media or through the education system and whatever is going on. So like you use that word, the chronos, like, what do you mean about that? Let, let's start there. So chronos describes um, the greatest um, poison in a sense that's been introduced into the zeitgeist, mm -hmm. um, which is time itself, just the idea of it. Um, so the, the time is what um, incrementally created a, um, a corridor for demonic uh, lower astral um, and elemental cloud intelligence intervention into this world um, from the subtle realms. So in simple terms, demonic possession. In explicit terms, the, the progenitors of the human race are not just, um, we're not just born of the earth. We're also hybrids, galactic or uh, cosmic hybrids. And we've been um, spliced and diced for millennia by all sorts of um, off-world intelligences that have variously, through, through various galactic wars, held a thrall over this planet in one epoch or another. That's well documented and well understood to anyone who's not brain dead. So the point is we are a cosmic hybrid. We're a galactic hybrid. That's what the human being is. When we look to understand genetics and we look to understand the um, cellular DNA of microbes, which make up 90, 95% of all microbial um, you know, forms, we are 
space born. So forget everything you think you know about science and about, astro, you know, astrophysics and all the rest mm -hmm. of it, because all of that is contained narrative. The fact is that we're in an electric universe, as Dear Velikovsky pointed out, or tried to uh, decades ago. So we're in an electric universe and there is life teeming in space, absolutely teeming. Uh, we now know that it's proven by tardigrades, you know, these creatures that live in deep space and can live for millennia. Right. And then, you know, space born and seed planets. So, you know, all of that's going on. There's a huge confluence of, of life that is conspiring to continue seeding and cross fertilizing, you know, sun systems and, and uh, solar systems and planets and so on. But we are that the human being emerges as that uh, creature. And recognizing that innate um, multidimensionality is what is the challenge uh, to us because we are, we are again, cult programmed into believing that we're limited. And we're limited because we are the utility of um, ex external agents that are living through us. So the demonic possession bit is very real. Any soldier who puts on a uniform and gets conscripted into the army either mandatorily or not, it's immaterial. It's always a matter of conscience. If you do get conscripted into the army and you don't um, stand up to your conscience and you pick up a gun and you go forth like a good little drone slave and you shoot you know, other people in the head because you're told to by your major or by you know, your whatever, that, that there is the breach of the soul covenant right there. Following orders is the breach of the covenant. Mm -hmm. Any orders. You could be a bureaucrat in a post office bullying an old woman who's trying to send uh, something, you know, through the post, through the mail service. And you could obstruct, you could obstruct something there. And that's an act. That's a satanic act. That's a Saturnian act. It's anti-life. It's, 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 it's entropic. So we are, we are filled with covenants in every step of the way in our lives. There are, there are constant entanglements, relationships, events, and circumstances which confluence around us. And it depends on our capacity to be in our Adamite Christed center, to be able to navigate those engagements in honor and in truth with right action, or be a prick. Be the little petty tyrant in the uniform. Go against our conscience. Breach and abrogate the fabric of human relationship and soul. And that's the battleground that's taking place constantly in the world, every day, even in the most menial uh, life and, and uh, story. And that's the point. A lot of people think that their own life is no one can see what they're up to. They're just dirty little people le leading dirty little lives, following appetites and being petty tyrants off the radar even but that you see you are you are there center ground of the the battlefield between light and dark between the demonic and the angelic everyone in that situation should really recognize that they're an avatar that they are the messiah that they are the christ of one and they can transmute and transcend any shitty little storyline into a magnificent story an epochal revelation but we must all own that we are extensions of the divine in order to uh, begin that. Sorry, I started riffing slightly left field there. <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, um, you know, I guess I just want to do kind of pull it back too. I mean, you start talking about star people and you start talking about multidimensional realities, and that's a, that's something that's going to throw people off if they have if they haven't um, 
if they haven't been exposed to those kinds of ideas. But what I wanted to bring up was that these ideas are, are fundamental to almost every other culture in the history of the world besides this colonized culture that kind of started in Europe that has spread now around the world. If you've been educated or, as we've kind of discussed, maybe indoctrinated uh, into this colonized system of consciousness, then you're not allowed access to these kinds of ideas, but they're they're ubiquitous in all other cultures everywhere else. So it's just kind of funny to me that, you know, you'll be talking about an idea, and I guess I'm just trying to like, you know, I'm trying to imagine myself because I, you know, I certainly I was raised uh, here in the United States and educated in the in the same typical system. And I had to go through quite a long process of being able to open my mind to the possibilities that the world was very different than from what I was taught and just how to get somebody to kind of like, you, you know, go from that state of I'm just watching the nightly news every night and then be able to be open-minded enough to 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 access these kinds of ideas where suddenly you're in the midst of uh, as you describe essentially a spiritual battle between uh, luciferianism and and uh, you know the the godhead inside each and every one of us um it's just a big leap for people and i wonder how how to make that you know how to describe this in terms that a lot of people can understand, and maybe just kind of like crack that nut in in let's those. Let's do it. Individuals Let, let's start. I mean, let's start. Yeah, right. Now. <laughs> Geology. Where do you want to start? Because I'll tell you what. You could. There's not a subject you could pull out that I can't draw back with you in conversation to what we're talking about. Right. At the end of the day, the people that you're speaking to, the ones that apparently need convincing, are these people sitting on bar stools drinking their fifth beer? At eleven o'clock in the morning, I don't know that. And I, if they are, I have no interest in the conversation. It's sure. like this shuffle off. I have no interest in trying to convince the unconvincible. If people either resonate to pure truth or they do not, and if they don't, they can't be convinced. And I'm sure as hell not wasting my life force to try and um, do a Socratic debate to somebody who's not equal to it. So, and, and I also foundationally Doug, disagree with you. I think that the overwhelming majority of human beings, even in suburbia, uh -huh. um, are absolutely conversant with the cosmogenesis stories and ET interventions, abductions, and right. all the weird shit that makes up the human condition. I Reader's Digest 30 years ago was talking about alien abductions. You know, so by now we kind of know the jig is up, man. We all know about ETs. We all know about demonic possessions. Well, what we don't like to do apparently is we don't like to recognize that because I'm drinking my fifth beer of the day by lunchtime, I'm the one who's actually creating a corridor for demonic possession. My stupid, mundane little appetites and addictions to nicotine, to pornography, to food, to donuts, to whatever, that is the corridor for demonic interposition and intervention. We don't want to confess up to that. We don't want to own that we are the technology of the divine and that we are the ones violating the sacrament by continuing to pursue uh, only our in our, our egoic objectives or our appetites. Right. So that's where it becomes an uncomfortable conversation with most people because in that sense, those people are too stupid or mundane to get it. But we really mustn't focus any longer on trying to retrieve the irretrievables. And I'm not being disrespectful to those people. Those people hate my guts anyway and will be trolling the threads. So I don't care. I'm really interested in the Adamites. I'm interested in the sons and daughters of God. I'm interested in really helping our brothers and sisters and myself to, to move forward into this progressivist, ascensionist paradigm and to elevate ourselves and rise like Lazarus from the dead, which is exactly what we're doing right now. Or at least we've been given the opportunity to at the galactical level to seriously 
transmute and transcend our entire field of expression from a carbon-based life form into a diamantine, silica, crystalline, a, a superluminal uh, species, which is the true human, the realized, actualized Adamite becomes the Christ, the Christed, the Christed one. That's the language, that's the journey, that's the hologram I inhabit already, and a great many people are awakening to that. That's the conversation we should be focused on and within. Uh, but happy to talk to any of this other stuff, but beyond a certain point, like I said, why are we trying to retrieve the irretrievables? In any battle, in any war, there is a known fact that you triage your own if you want to win the war, win the battle. Right. You can't constantly stop, put your gun down and run to the back of the line and, and bandage people up because you will absolutely lose the war. You've got to stay as infantrymen, as cavalrymen. You've got to keep you know, moving. And I think that that's the, where the social ecology is right now. There's a lot of people who are falling. This corona, covid vaudevillian crowning glory of our endemic stupidity is a fantastic gift to humanity. This last year has been the greatest gift imaginable because it is inviting a separation between the living and the dead, the masked and the unmasked, the sane and the insane, the Christed and the unchristed ones. And that's clear. Anyone who enjoys this charade, anyone who enjoys wearing a fucking pantyhose on their face and 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 you know destroying their own immune system and that of their kids much worse Th those creatures must depart this world sooner than later if they enjoy that pantomime they are by definition perverse mm -hmm. and people who want to be saved by bill gates and anthony fauci and by their local uh, deviant public health administrator those people must shuffle off this mortal coil. They're not welcomed in this world any longer. Anyone who agrees with the overbearing tyranny of the state or the crown or the government or the Catholic church and wants to be sodomized by the matriarchy or the patriarchy of the government, the nanny state or the overbearing Saturnian father that keeps bludgeoning us if, and, you know, and, and penalizing us and taxing us, if people generally want that as a reality, they must leave this world because this world does not invite that kind of soul consensus anymore. That's the alchemy of what's taking place. And it's again, it's axiomatic. It's, it's like the threshold event of the crowning glory of our awakening to our own sleepwalking or within our own sleepwalking, uh, Doug. And that's why I say it's all good. It's all beautiful geometry. But we must, especially those of us who do care and are empathic and compassionate about our fallen brothers and sisters, mm. know at a certain point, it's more important that we get to the front of the line and continue to fulfill our duty of care. Right. I mean, that's what's so interesting about this. What seems to be going on, at least from my point of view, is I've been thinking a lot lately about, I mean, uh, I kind of look at this colonizing force or the colonized mind as um, maybe a, a, like a narcissist or a narcissistic personality disorder. And that's what we're dealing with, these sort of narcissistic yeah, leaders that are um, indoctrinating people into this psychology of control. They're gaslighting people using the mainstream media. It's psychological abuse. Um, and and I guess, you know, I appreciate the, the triage analogy because I almost maybe feel overwhelmed with the 
with the desire to want to help everybody, you know, who's been damaged by uh, the psychological abuse. Um, and, and there are so many out there that are just so unwilling to wake up out of it. Uh, they're so, well, I mean, that's, I, I, I've been kind of thinking of it as a kind of a, I call it the trauma bond or a type of Stockholm syndrome, essentially, where people have learned to identify with their oppressors. In fact, you know, like here in the United States, I've been just blown away by how many people identify, say, as Democrat or Republican, and then they just fight each oh. other all the time. And it's like it's literally right. a part of their personal identity. And when I try to have a conversation with them, they just come right back with, you know, here's what the Democrat thinks or here's what the Republican thinks. And they can't think for themselves. You know, they're not. Sure. Let me, let me speak, think. I want to let know me speak to that momentarily, please. Because a lot of a lot of people, especially mothers, will resonate with what I'm saying. The, 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 the syndrome you're dealing with here is a simple one. If you pay attention to a brat, to a child that's, that's gone rogue, and you give too much attention to it, you literally turn that creature into a psychopath, okay? You have too much motherly love to that creature when that creature is acting uh, in, in, in an aberrant way. Whilst it's growing up, you, you forge the wrong neural synapses in that, that child. That child knows that every time it you know, throws its mug to the floor, starts screaming, um, it's going to get the attention. It's going to be able to harvest life force from mummy and then from the world. Of course, when that child leaves home and there is no mummy out there who gives a fuck about the child's tantrums, then they're not getting the attention from the world. They start to then hate the world. They turn into the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world. Mm -hmm. that, that's how sociopaths and psychopaths genuinely got too much love and attention from the mother in the wrong way. Okay. So, so be very mindful of that. Right. So it's very important that with these brothers and sisters that you're referring to who are bringing up the rear, so to speak, and they're consistently going, ah, no, and they're the naysayers and the detractors and the, the snipers and the trolls. And we're turning around, giving them attention for their sniping and their trolling. Do you get it? Sure. We're, we're creating feedback that they want. They're the parasite. The minute you take your attention completely from them, leave them at the back of the line, turn towards the front, you're going to actually help them more that way. Because those ones, some of those that are can still redeemable will go, fuck, I'm not getting the attention I, I, I need and I crave. And, and they've got to run to the front of the line to get attention again. That's the actual syndrome of how you help people by, by cutting off and not feeding into their, right. into their um, uh, toxicity. Yeah, it's kind of an enabling behavior pattern, actually. Oh, I see what you're saying. Good. Yeah, that's fascinating. It is fascinating, you know, and, and again, I guess just kind of sticking with this psychological metaphor. Um, well, I mean, let's let's continue to to take steps and steps back. Like, where do where like where does this narcissistic uh, system come from? It's been it's been going on for a long time. This this psychology. Um, and I see it as, you know, I, I almost can look at it and see it as the growth of the empire. But when we're really talking about like this Luciferianism, I mean, maybe we could just talk about like what is the Illuminati or what is this satanic spirituality that's out there and how does it work to dominate uh, our society so so completely or so much of our society? Because I, you know, I've even had this revelation that a lot of people really, I mean, they're raised in indigenous families or whatever. They're raised with lots of these different ideas. I just happen to come from this uh, background uh, where I was, you know, raised in what I would say inside the colony, inside the empire, and I was trained that way growing up, and I had to grow out of it. But so many people have not been raised this way, and and were just raised naturally, as you're discussing. Um, 
But nonetheless, what, what would you say about, you, you know, what is this Luciferian movement? And, let's and, talk about it. Yeah, des let's describe talk, that Sabbatean Frankist lineage and, yeah. and that kind of thing. I'm going to do it because I've been doing it for the last week or two. I, I decided it would be a healthy thing to pot boil 2,000 years into two minutes or three minutes for people. Sounds because good. Because I think that's going to help uh, get the focus. So you, you begin with, with where we were at a couple of thousand years ago with Canaanite ritualism, okay? Um, so thousands of years ago, Canaanite ritualism and, and worshiping Baal uh, was essentially the thing. That's the source coding, okay? So that, that, that's the Canaanites and the, the, the tribe of Dan. That then led through Nimrod and Osiris to the pharaohs of Egypt in the, in the instance of Osiris, which is Amun-Ra, to Marduk, kings of Babylon, and that was through, through Nimrod, okay? And that connects into, through um, the, the King Solomon's line and the, the priests of Karnak, okay, flanked by the Roman Empire and the Judean um, uh, uh, period, that feeds into the genesis of monotheism, okay, which is collectivized religious idolatry and worship. That then, through the Hellenization and what you'd refer to as Sol Invictus connected to the Roman Empire, creates the Vatican. And the Vatican complex, okay, which Council of Nicaea, 325, 328 AD, that was the weaponization of the Christed message. The weaponization of Christianity occurred right. with the Vatican. And that's the inversion of the cross, of the Christos, okay? That's when the cross turned upside down, St. Peter and all that bullshit. Then the Crusades and the Dark Ages, okay, variously led to the Knights Templar in the 12th century and the Khazar um, Empire, the Khazarian Empire. So the Khazars and the Templars essentially become the progenitors of usury, manipulation, exploitation of human time, motion, and life force into Units, systems, tabulations, registrations, okay? Right. 1066, doomsday. All of that is the unitizing, the systematizing, the monetizing, the securitizing of human beings, of living souls into dead fictions. Kabbalah comes into that. That all leads, I'm talking about Vatican, Templar, and Khazarian um, empire leads to the formation of Switzerland, this is the genesis of consolidated central banking, command and control, okay? And that then through the Merovingians and black nobility, which is the genesis point of what you would call the Illuminati, moves through the Inquisitions and the, and the Venetian uh, trade, uh, uh, trade lines and corridors to the Masons and the Jesuits. So the Masonic traditions emerge then, the secret societies, Okay, 18th century really locks in there and the Society of Jesus through that uh, a demon, Ignatius Loyola in the 16th century. That's 15, uh, 1530, 1530, early 1530s. Mm -hmm. So the Jesuits and the Masons become the kind of compartmentalized fractality of the evil empire. And that boom through glorious revolution and all of that, the Rothschild dynasty at that point, the United Kingdom, Okay, being 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 essentially behind the Illuminati. That then locks and loads. This is Victoriana. Okay, this is this is big stuff. Now we're talking about supremacy and divin uh, and dominion globally with one Luciferic uh, vision. 
1776 Bavarian Illuminati. That then leads to things like Council of Foreign Relations, the Bilderbergers, the Tavistock Institute, the Fabianist Agenda. And from the Masons, you get the birthing of the Federal Reserve System, okay? This is the, this is the takeover of the printing of money. So it's no longer a sovereign preserve of a country to handle its own currency. This is now franchised to a third party, an agency like the Catholic Church taking over money, printing of money, completely independent to government, nothing to do with the choice of the consensus of the living souls. Okay, and the Jesuits, uh, obviously, with their holy alliances, all of that leads to 1776, United States of America. That's the Masonic Atlantic or Atlantean uh, uh, kind of genesis point. And that we refer to as Novus uh, Ordo Seculum. That becomes the, the complete weaponization of government and governance globally. Now you've got 200 plus corporations masquerading as governments around the world, all of them indentured into the Vatican complex through Basel, Switzerland, a principality with the Bank of International Settlements, essentially London, the city of London, which commands and controls all of that, and Vatican, uh, forgive me, uh, um, uh, District of Columbia, DC. So DC, London, Basel, Switzerland, Vatican, boom. Those four, they've got a bunch of other satellites they've set up like Singapore, like, uh, like uh, um, uh, Monaco. Uh, they've got their little free ports and free zones all around the world. Then they've got, you know, uh, 10,000 you know, military bases around the world as well. And they've got the global uh, military industrial complex. They've got all of the intelligence agencies, uh, CIA, all of them in 200 plus nations, all owned and controlled by them. Right. Feeding back to the black papacy behind the uh, Vatican. So now that's essentially a 2000 years potted history of how we went from sacrificing babies to Moloch and to Baal to actually forming corporations and giving them all of our power and saying, fuck us, kill us, mutate us, poison us, do what you like to us because we are idolaters. Yes, we are absolutely abject idolaters. And that's the point. So if we can awaken within the idolatry, it's the same old shit that happened when, when Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, went and sacked the Kaaba and destroyed all of the idols in the Kaaba. God love him for that. The same thing as the blessed Yeshua, Master Jesus, Isa bin Maryam, when he went in and overthrew the moneylenders' tables and also called out idolatry. Same thing when uh, Musa came off uh, Mount Sinai, um, St. Catherine's Mountain, went down to the base of the mountain and saw the imbecile class of revelers worshipping the golden calf. Idolaters, the lot of them. Same old goddamn complex, age after age. <laughs> after. The question is, where do you stand in that? Can you actualize within that or not? That's the question. Right. Because by being idolatrous, you're referring to thinking that the Godhead is outside of you. You're no longer directly connected. You're looking outside of you for that connection, for something that's going to make choices choices for you. You're looking to an authority to make yeah. those choices yeah. for you. And the rosary not. beads is idolatry. The prayer books is idolatry. Right. The temples and the cathedrals, the synagogues and the mosques, all of that is idolatry. If it's got a wooden bench in it, that's it. That there's your there's your church right there. If it's got a wooden pew, a wooden bench, by all means go to that altar. Anything beyond that is Catholicism, which is based on the sacrifice of the Cathars. God loved them, every one of them. That is the tra true travesty. That's the abomination. 
mm-hmm. is the massacre of the Cathars and, and the, the blood spilled from the Cathars forming the genesis of the Catholic Church. And again, I, I know bishops. I know um, Silver Star Knight commanders in the Vatican. I know powerful people from the Pilgrim Society throughout the United Nations elsewhere. And I love the brothers and sisters I've met in those hallowed portals. I know Knights of Malta and Orders of St. John Knights, and I've, I love them. Uh, I've got no problem with the individuals because I've recognized that they don't know what I know about that order. Hmm. And you see, that's the point. They are also harvested variously as good souls into um, unwitting indentureship to and service to that seal, that badge, that throne. And, and that's the travesty of it. We are all of us variously in the thrall of idolatry without knowing it. There's very few of us who are barefoot on the soil. And that's the, that's the clarion, clarion call right now is a return to our innocence and the beginning again of seeing the world through the eyes of a child, which to me is the single most important uh, uh, element of our regenesis is must we must return to that innocence. We must, and that's to say, you know, Doug, that's to say, walk out of your front door every single day and do not cast judgment. Do not throw stones. Do not cast judgment. By all means, be circumspect. Analyze all you like. Bear witness as much as you possibly can. Observe, but do not cast stones. That is so wrong because the minute you've cast a stone at anything or anyone, you have essentially harmed self. Because for me to judge anything negatively outside is for me to recognize that I have not yet resolved that aspect, archetypal aspect within. Mm. So that's what life offers us in the holograph. Whatever we hate externally is represents in geometric proportion, di- I mean, diametric, geometric proportion. It speaks to the unresolved aspect of that archetype within myself. And so anyone making harsh judgment or condemnation of another is doing that. Like if you've got a condemnation, that's fine. You keep it to yourself. If somebody's harming the weak, the vulnerable, the infirm, or breaching your own sovereign space, do what you need to, up to and including shooting them in the face with a 38 Smith & Wesson. I've got no issue with that. Mm. There's no, there's no, I've got no moral position on defending uh, the, the weak, the infirm, the vulnerable, and your own sovereign uh, preserve. That's, that's godly to do so. Uh, But I'm saying don't condemn, don't judge, don't gossip, don't wheeze, don't throw stones, don't snipe. That's the disgusting element of the slime ball element of the trolls and the snipers and the naysayers and the ankle biters and the dirty little customers in the world who are not resolved within themselves and they can only find life force or animus by parasiting it off. Okay, sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I lost Sasha for just a second. He's all the way over in Bali, and I think we're both dealing with a little bit of, of bad weather. I, I am here. Our internet connection's a bit spotty, so bear with us. But uh, I, I want to continue, and I want to talk a little bit more in depth about the holographic um, reality in a, just a little bit. But I'd like to dwell for for just a few more minutes on what you were discussing about the the weaponization of the patriarchal religions, the father God religions, Christianity and Islam and Judaism, or you mentioned Christianity more specifically, but what do you mean by weaponization? And then I guess where I'm going with that is I tend to, I mean, you see it as a kind of a caste system. You just did a great job of describing the lineage uh, going all the way back to the worship of Baal and, and Moloch that the, the very top of the pyramid is following, but then everybody else underneath the pyramid 
I see it as this type of caste system, right? Where they they don't know the information that the guys at the top know, but they use these uh, these um, other techniques to essentially enslave. It's like a it's psychological warfare, only it's three thousand years old, right? And right. and so they've been able to um, manipulate the people farther down. Uh, in the pyramid uh, over this long period of time. Yeah, go ahead. So, so you've got the geometry wrong, and I'll tell you why. And this mm. is the piece. If if I brought anything in in the last 15, 20 years into the, the, the movement of truth and disclosure, it'll be one thing, which is that I, I, have, I have explained countless times over many years that it is not the capstone of the pyramid that is contaminated necessarily, and it is not the body politic of the pyramid either. There is an intercessionary level between the capstone and the body politic, and that is where the satanic influence and the technocracy is nested. Okay. That is why you've got the capstone removed with a cloud beneath the capstone, then the eye in the capstone on the on the ordo ab chao, um, a totem on the, on the, on the US dollar. Mm -hmm. That's connected to understanding that the capstone is oftentimes populated by good presidents and prime ministers and kings and queens and emperors and bishops and even popes okay. who don't know anything right. about the blood sacrifice and about the sacraments going on in the basement. They're kept from it deliberately. And, and, and the body politic is kept ignorant. That's the technocracy and the bureaucracy and the suburbanite uh, pedestrian reality. It is a technocratic sliver of evil that is implemented between the capstone and the body politic. I witnessed it myself in the United Nations because I met with leadership and they were thoroughly good human beings, right. innocent, innocent, good human beings. And they were secretary generals, director generals, top bosses. I've met over 230, 40 kings and queens and sultans and rajas in my life. Okay. I've, I've, I know at least... 30 or 40 of them well and can communicate with, 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 you know, with a make a phone call and communicate as a, as not as a friend, but as a, as a good human to good human. I'm, I've picked up so much in those conversations, in those meetings and engagements. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you the overwhelming majority are thoroughly good human beings. And when I've had conversations with people at that level, and I'm not acting as an apologist for evil Kings and Queens and evil presidents and prime ministers, God knows there are a lot of those out there. But in my estimation, it's probably 15%, 20% are in directly invested in what I'd call the sacraments, the blood sacraments and the kind of Babylonian mysterious okay. cult, yeah. high ranking. But the same thing, I apply the same logic to, to academia. There's the same logic to the professors and the dons and the fellows of universities and the Ivy League and the Oxbridge set. A lot of them are genius, brilliant human beings, quite flawed in their way, but they don't know about the perversion of uh, education through the Fabianist agenda. They are just a professor of economics or a professor of theology, and they just have their little universe. And these are not people who've understood this holographic uh, truth uh, to the perversity of education wholesale. And that's the, the, the danger of specialization that we have as a species. Right. I've we're trained that. it's being very specialized and that's it. So we never get the big picture. That's part of the cult programming. Yeah, compartmentalization, right? Where yeah. everybody becomes an expert, but then they can't see the big picture ever and they can be yeah. used, they can be yeah. useful idiots without knowing what they're doing. Yeah. I've 
<laughs> well, and and then will you speak? And that's a great point, actually, because I think, and I've I, I've seen this a lot too, where the leadership actually sometimes, I mean, they you know they're trying to do the right thing clearly, and I don't get the impression that they're evil. And it is interesting, um, and I and it does seem like it's 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 just beneath them, the the bureaucrats, the intelligence agencies, that that there's something else going on, and they actually have the ability to stifle. Uh, anything positive that the that the like you're talking about the presidents or the prime ministers really want to accomplish, and and I imagine yeah. sometimes it's very frustrating for them because they can't. They're, they're trying desperately to frustrated. You have yeah. no idea how frustrating I have. I have held high-ranking leaders sobbing, literally sobbing, crying on my shoulder on a couple of occasions. The last time was only about six months ago when a king was crying on my shoulder, literally. It was t- taking me to a part of the palace to look at something, uh, and and we were discussing history and the, the travesty of how kingdoms around the world were also infiltrated by the Jesuits and and their their lands and their people destroyed. And this particular king, it was, sorry, it wasn't six months ago; it was oh, well over a year ago. This Corona year seems to be like a gap. It yeah. was about a year <laughs> and a half ago. It was before the Corona thing, and and this particular king, and you know, he turned at a given point. And, and I could see his eyes welling up as we were talking about the travesty of what had happened to his father. Mm. And it was such a sad moment. And at that point, I just went to, to like just to embrace him. And he started sobbing like a child on my shoulder. But Christ, I started crying. Very, very sad stuff. I mean, that, that's human engagement, you know. And this is as real as real can be. So, again, this idea of them and us, we've got to be really careful. We have to see the world through the eyes of a child and we must not judge. And the only time we must make a determination about something is when we know, based on the law of absolute fact and verity and probity and integrity, because I'm there and I see it, I witness it. But to, to repeat the law of first report or the law of second report is just to participate in the mania, the white noise and the trivia of our existence and too many idiot people, salamanders sitting in you know, moth-eaten armchairs, punching into their telephones and into their computer screens and thinking that they can be judge and jury and executioner of reality. Well, fuck you. I mean, it's disgusting and such unchristly, ungodly behavior mm. uh, to judge and condemn and have this venal little uninformed opinions and then pepper the social media threads with your stupid ideas. How about a bit of dignity? How about a bit of meekness? How about a bit of honor? And step into the knowing that you know fuck all or very little. Now get back to the good book and go and study Ephesians. Go and study these amazing chapters that can really help you clad yourself and armor up with honor with honor and dignity and truth. And then go out into the fray and go and challenge the local authorities, the local tax officials, the local customs and excise, the local, you know, uh, bureaucrats. Go and do something to redeem this world and bring us back from the edge. Have the balls to get out of your moth-eaten armchair. I say what I just said in the last three minutes because that, to me, Doug, is the problem right now, is that I don't know what the percent is of suburbanites and pedestrian people who are judges, juries, and executioners of reality who never leave their front door in honor or in integrity and do bugger all to actually change the fabric of reality through consciousness in action, through service to others over service to self. I am sick of humans expressing their dirty little opinions. Sounds good. 
Well, do you want to spend a, a few minutes before you go discussing some of the projects that you've been working on? I mean, we've been talking kind of theoretically, but I want to give you a chance yeah. to tell my audience about uh, some of the actual work that you're doing with uh, the U Humanidad Foundation and the uh, International Tribunal for Natural Justice. We could talk about the concept of natural justice for just a few minutes. That, thank you, uh, Doug. Um, so, ironically, two, three months ago, I would have said, no, I'm not selling anything. I'm not looking for followers. I'm not looking for, to sell anything. Actually, yeah. now, let me just put on my little whore beanie and say I am selling something. It's an idea. I'm launching an initiative um, on the 21st of March called the Lazarus Initiative. Um, my team and I are putting this together right now. And um, it launches as for one year. It's a planetary conversation. I'm launching um, uh, eight I'm so sorry, seven symposiums starting on the 21st of March. Um, there's going to be a big powwow. It'll be a marathon live stream. And I'm bringing together leading activists, military uh, and intelligence figures, investigators, medical scientists, uh, researchers, survivors, victims, um, clairvoyance, remote viewers, um, and experts in multiple disciplines to talk about how we resurrect ourselves from the dead. That's why I'm calling it the Lazarus Initiative. Mm -hmm. And it's all about AI, transhumanism, Morgellons syndrome, ET intervention of the human genome, and how we need to now awaken as a body, as a collective, and step into the knowing to throw that devil off our, our collective back. Um, so that's launching 21st of March uh, online. Anyone can check that through going to my website, sashastone.com, S-A-C-H-A. Uh, S-T-O-N-E.com. You can sign up or subscribe there to my weekly uh, journal and uh, you'll be kept abreast of it. We're also launching a proper journal called the Lazarus Initiative alongside the symposiums. So every two months, there'll be a symposium. Every alternating two months, we're releasing like a digest or a journal, which will have all of the information, the, the remedies, the treatments, the cures, the investigations, the analytics of AI, transhumanism, genetic intervention, ETs, all of that stuff. And I'm talking about the greatest assembly of experts in the world because I know most of them by now. Uh, I've interviewed a great many of them. Many of them have interviewed me. So I'm bringing in all the top guns in the world who can speak to these subjects or those that are actually explicitly in the, in the, in the game. So that's going to happen starting 21st of March. People keep tuned in for the Lazarus Initiative. That's the main thing I'm really talking about. And that does speak to natural justice, just to tail off on the last thing that you kindly invited me to do, mm. to speak a bit about natural justice, natural law. Natural justice comes through understanding, through um, comprehending uh, what understanding means, should I say. Um, standing under is not a good thing. Comprehending, being comprehensive about our understanding is a good thing. Um, the status quo, how we got here, where we take things from here. Natural justice is the Adamite, is the, the true human saying, I understand that nature organizes itself through patterns of perfection. We come along and mutate those patterns of perfection, poison things, bond things into indentureship and invisible contracts, and then spellbind them uh, by using cult programming. So spells, bonds, and poisons is what I've come to after 22 years of inquiry. That's what we're living in the thrall of, where we should be moving into our Christed nature through elevating art and beauty and consciousness, stepping away from time, 
1260 time. I never finished that conversation earlier. Maybe we can do another chat at some point and really just drill into time. Mm -hmm. So I want to explain to people how DNA is affected by the idea of time, how death, entropy, and the uh, moving into the mortal realm happened because of time, the imposition of time, which we bought as an idea. But when we step out of time and relinquish adherence to 1260 time and the mutancy of the Babylonian uh, Gregorian um, um, calendric systems right. and step back into the immanent um, quantum um, matrix, so to speak, then we move back into the immortal paradigm, which is happening in our life anyway. The, the vertical integration of the ascension event happening in 2046 and again, I'm going to stick with this because that's my, my learning. My, I, I've spoken to thousands of experts, thousands of clairvoyants, thousands of people, shamans and medicine uh -huh. men and prophets and medicine wheels. All of that stuff indicate a singularity. I'm the one defining it as 2046 as the vertical integration of our ascension connected to major astrophysical and astronomical events that are happening at that time. So that's just around the corner. 25 years, okay? Remember, 9-11 was only 20 years ago. Feels like yesterday, 20 years ago. So we are at this point, we're now at a rush towards the gate of ascension. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing because it's not like, you know, Ezekiel's chariot or some Pleiadian starship's going to come. They may come as well. I wouldn't pay much attention to either of them. Uh, they'll almost certainly be steeped in idolatry. But the fact that we are steering this planet and by extension, Earth, Tara, takes the entire solar system with it. Trust me, the Adamite is the most powerful force in the temporal universe. That's us. Once we've awakened, you and I, and our brothers, our brethren, our fellows, the fellowship of man or woman. I should be a bit more kind of woke on that. So the fellowship of woman, okay, is what steers planets and solar systems and entire quadrants of the, of the universe. And that's where we're at right now. We're steering this toward yeah. our next evolutionary phase, which is a, a hyperdimensional uh, state of being where we move into the quantum, the immanent, the immortal, whilst we're still in form and shape and, and we can touch and feel. So it's a, it's a big story and the Lazarus Initiative is going to go a hell of a long way toward exploring the dimensions of that revelation. At the same time, realizing that government, church, um, reason, intellect, are not the things that they've served us to a point uh -huh. uh, to awakening. Uh, but now that we can, we've awoken within the dream spell, we can take it from here and we don't need rules and regulations and ordinances and penalties and courts and legislators and, and parliamentarians and representatives. We don't need the Catholic church. We don't need intermediates or intercessionaries. We don't need the Jesuitical element anymore. We simply need to awaken and become part of that fellowship and start to self-organize and anchor patterns of perfection to this world. So do you see then this sort of coronavirus thing and this, this move on the part of the Satanists and the technocrats, um, do you see it as a kind of a last gasp? Are you optimistic they're going to fail at this and then the ascension is going to happen saying, as a result? I've been saying that throughout, um, mm -hmm. that, that I'm all about optimism. That's why I'm taking the conversation to the vertical integration of our ascension. If I didn't uh, believe that, I, if, I, if I believed that uh, COVID-19 pantomime uh, was, had any thrall or traction on reality, I, I wouldn't be speaking about those other subjects. But uh, yes, I think that it's over. 
I think that um, the, the Corona COVID-19 uh, New World Order uh, Fantasia is just that. It was just a kind of aggregated um, orchestra of chaos and of the surrendered aspects of um, consciousness that we represent as a species, making manifest in the field, coming back at us in geometric proportion to the degree to which we have not realized ourselves as a species. Right. And so that thing comes back at us in the field uh, to harm us and to slice and dice us and to, you know, ultimately cull us in, in, uh, into a mass or sacrifice of innocence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great fantasy. Not going to happen. Thanks. Um, are a number of people going to choose that fantasy? Yes. Are they doing so? Yes, they are. Uh, should they do so? Yes, they should. Wear the mask, get the injection. Good luck. Sayonara, baby. See you later. That's it. But we now, the collective has won. We have won. Mm -hmm. That that epochal war has already been won, in my in my humble opinion. Well, sounds great, Sasha. Uh, nice to end on a really positive note then. It's good to hear. It's so easy to get depressed and and uh, and feel really... Um, really frustrated about what what's going on and what's happening and it's good to know that uh you feel like maybe you know this is the end of this long era of oppression in a sense and we're about to see uh of this uh this real big change into an era of liberation so uh i'm gonna put my intention on that <laughs> and uh, i definitely appreciate the work that you've been doing we'll let everybody know uh, one more time that uh, they should check out the Lazarus initiative starting on the 21st of march at sashastone.com and I'll be looking forward to checking out that work. And then I'll just let my listeners know that you've been listening to The Shift. My name is Doug McKenty, and you can find all of my stuff uh, at theshiftnow.com. And I am currently on YouTube and Facebook at The Shift with Doug McKenty. So if you want to get more information, you can check that out uh, there. Um, and uh, I'm trying to get more and more people to uh, go to the website and sign up to the newsletter, theshiftnow.com. And we'll stay connected that way so I don't have to deal with any of that social media stuff as things are moving yeah, forward right, right? <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on sasha and uh thanks again for all the work that you've been doing really appreciate it and uh, really uh, enjoyed our conversation tonight it was great to to hear your perspective on what's happening and, and what's going on and, and get some clarification about these questions that i had so likewise thank you doug love, love talking to you brother look forward to the next time Thank right on. Have a great day. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. My conversation with Sasha Stone. That was an interesting talk for me. I came in, I feel like, with a little bit of a uh, an idea. I almost was uh, wanting to lead Sasha down a certain road, um, and it was almost like he didn't really want to go down there with me, and I don't, I don't know if we didn't get into the flow the way that I, I normally like to. Um, I certainly enjoy the way that he describes reality and what's going on and I really wanted to kind of uh, get out of him uh, a little bit more detail because his uh, his description of the world in terms of the dream spell in terms of the the luciferian uh, the the saturnarian the um the sabbatean consciousness that uh, is at work here I think in the in the social engineering world uh, this mechanical way of looking at things is is really interesting. And then when he talks about uh, people finding their own Christ consciousness and participating in this ascension, um, you know, it's a great way to look at the world. And it was great to hear him be so optimistic, actually, about what's going on. Um, but I wanted to get I wanted to get him to kind of define some of those terms because I think a lot of people, when they listen to him, 
they get lost in the uh, in the uh, jargon, and they don't. And then they'll kind of blow off some of his messaging that's um, you know pretty pretty in depth and pretty interesting, really, and deserves uh, for people to take more of a deep dive into it. And and uh, and so um, it was just an interesting conversation. It was kind of um, difficult. I felt like I was trying to pry some of this these ideas out of him to get him to really explore them uh, more deeply. Uh, and I hope that at least he was able to get his message across in the conversation, and I hope it doesn't come across as, as too disjointed. Um, I can't say I was necessarily getting frustrated, um, but it was just sort of that that uh, I wanted to to uh, get some definitions for some of these concepts uh, that he throws around a lot uh, in the hopes of getting people who are on the fence or people who are new to these ideas. I mean, because that's the thing when, when someone is new to these ideas, it, it just comes across as sounding so, so crazy, quite, quite honestly. And then, uh, as we got into the conversation, I mean, he just kind of re revealed to me that he, he didn't care so much about these people who are, as he put it, you know, guys sitting on the bar stool drinking their fifth beer at, at 11 in the morning, uh, these suburbanites that uh, have no inkling of, uh, of contemplating some of these alternative thoughts, people that have been uh, indoctrinated into, you know, what I describe as the colonized mind and are just so comfortable there that they're not going to pay attention to ideas uh, that are different from what they're getting on the mainstream media. He just had no interest. And, um, you know, he was more, he kind of used that metaphor of doing triage uh, for the people who are um, already well along the path of understanding these alternative perspectives. Uh, and he's just kind of targeting those people uh, that are already in a, in a place where they're going to hear what he's saying and they're not going to be just, you know, so filled with doubt. And it's, it, it was interesting to me to hear him. I was almost wondering if my own approach, because I think that I'm constantly seeking the messaging that the average person listening to the mainstream media can listen to and then go, well, huh, you know, that whatever Doug is saying is, is interesting, at least, is I want to be open-minded enough to, to look into an alternative perspective on you know, maybe maybe reality and the world as we know it isn't exactly like they taught me in, in school or I see on the mainstream news that the corporations and the governments are telling me. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, maybe there is an independent perspective that's different from this. And so, um, you know, it's just interesting to have these different points of view. I really liked what Sasha was saying when he talked about the people at the top of the pyramid. And this is one, actually, I was thinking that our perspectives may be different because he's kind of hobnobbing in a whole different social world than I am. He's hanging out with people at the UN. He's hanging out with world leaders that are actually interested in these alternative perspectives. Um, and I think that because of the work that he does, and he's been doing it for so long, his entire social circle, maybe he's pretty surrounded by people that are already well along their way on this path. I mean, in my community, and for a lot of people probably listening to this podcast, uh, it's kind of a lonely road. Um, and I'd like to be able to at least be able to learn how to have conversations with a lot of people in my community here in Northern California to where they'll be able to say, well, you know, 
I respect your perspective. I don't just think that you're a crazy person. I don't get instantly triggered into uh, this these defensive responses where I say that you know you're just talking crazy and and uh, there's no way that the corporate media would be lying to me or weaponizing narratives or uh, the U.S. government would never engage in psychological operations um, against their own people. Um, you know, I want to be able to say, well, isn't my perspective at least possible? Isn't it? You know, can we have a conversation about it where I don't get shut down? And and maybe he's just, um, you know, he doesn't have to deal with that issue so much. Maybe his social circle is a little bit more uh, open-minded to begin with. And, and he's just been in the scene for such a long time, for decades now, uh, that he's more concerned with organizing people that are already uh, ready to make this change, ready to uh, decolonize their mind, ready to embrace uh, alternative perspectives and set up communities and societies based on these ideas of, uh, of natural justice uh, and common law and individuation and separate themselves from, from these collective thinking techniques and, and the social control of the elites. So, so that may have been a, a reason why the communication wasn't quite so smooth. But anyway, um, I'd be curious to hear what you all thought about all of that um, and this idea of of uh, uh, it is it does take a lot of time to try to convince somebody who's not really interested in uh, paying attention to these ideas, even to engage. I mean, is it just a waste of time? Maybe we should all be hanging out on the uh, forum sites for the shift and not. Uh, not really engaging with those who don't really care. So um, that was an that was just an interesting part of the conversation. Oh, and then I was going to mention his point about how then those people that are at the top of the pyramid really aren't always, and in fact, very rarely, a part of this Luciferian system that he describes. He seemed to think that most of that action was happening kind of just below the capstone in the pyramid. The the corporate controllers, the intelligence communities, the, the higher-level bureaucrats that are engaged so that even when a person does become a political leader, they really don't have the power to change the system. And that seemed to be something that he is dealing with uh, he told a story, I don't know if it's going to make it into the free section, but he told a story about um, talk, going to a palace of a king and the king practically crying to him saying, I see what they're doing, but I can't do anything about it. And how interesting is that? That maybe only a small percentage of the prime ministers and the pres presidents of the world uh, are actively involved in this elite power group. Uh, and it does seem to be that way. I mean, I'm not going to be a Trump supporter, but I did feel like he tried to bring in people like Flynn, like Bannon. Say what you will about Bannon. I'm not. I wasn't necessarily a fan of any of of Trump's foreign policy necessarily. But these two guys were not in the Council on Foreign Relations groups. They were thinking outside of the thinking behind the Trilateral Commission. And every president always stocks their cabinet and surrounds themselves with members of these groups throughout history. As soon as he gets Flynn and Bannon in there, trying to include a different perspective. Uh, the mainstream media clearly hammered on both of them until they were out fairly early on in uh, the Trump administration. It didn't seem to me like Trump was necessarily a part of the cabal, but didn't have the power to drain the swamp as he promised, and eventually just had to fold on so many issues um, that uh, it, it makes sense to me what Sasha was saying about how uh, the very top, the people that are in power, they sort of become fronts, and they're the people that you see on the television set, 
but they're not really part of this cabal. And in fact, the cabal controls the bureaucracies. And so the people on top just don't have the power to make the changes that they'd, they'd want to change. Even if we could get a good person into one of these positions of power, they still couldn't change the system. Uh, so that was a fascinating concept. And then the other thing that kind of interested me, I was trying to get him again to, to talk about then this whole ascension process and, and uh, you know, these ideas about um, what is this, the good side, which I call indigenous consciousness, for those of you who have listened to this podcast. Uh, and, you know, I often think of the internal energy system as part of this. Every other culture in the history of the world has had the chakra system or the meridian system in traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, in shamanistic cultures, a lot of their ceremonies are about uh, recharging, empowering this internal energy system. It's a very common concept uh, throughout the world in every culture, except if you've been colonized into this Western European culture, this this science-based, and I, of course, consider a lot of it scientism. Uh, it doesn't really reflect uh, actual scientific studies, but it's a, almost a mythology that has grown around this idea of science, and it's very materialistic. And it doesn't allow for the ideas of these internal energies. And his response was, well, all that is, is New Age woo, and I don't go for any of that. Um, and uh, I do agree wholeheartedly that a lot of the New Age movement has been weaponized in the same way as a lot of the good ideas in the patriarchal religions uh, have then been twisted and, and weaponized in order to function as uh, a part of this more cult-like behavior rather than individuating us, empowering us as individuals to make critical thinking uh, decisions for ourselves. Uh, we just get into this kind of um, psychological conditioning that causes us to uh, to um, follow the authority figures. And this is what he calls uh, the Luciferian dream spell. Um, so, you know, it was just interesting kind of trying to hash these things out with him. And he didn't want to go into that, uh, into the internal system. And I wanted him to kind of describe this ascension process that he talks about a lot. He says it's coming in, in 2046. And he did mention, maybe I can do another interview with him and we can discuss the whole time thing. Because I know... The calendar has a lot to do with all of this. Uh, the Gregorian calendar, which is linear versus these other cyclical calendars that take into account the solar system going around uh, the center of the universe and then the different energies that are coming out of that, the center of the, the galaxy, excuse me, um, and how they affect uh, human consciousness, the consciousness of the planet as we move to these different points around the cycle uh, as we go around the galaxy, as our solar system goes around the galaxy. Um, so maybe I'll have him back on and we'll be able to have those conversations as well. I did want to, um, as a final note, just take on that there is a lot of, always a lot of talk, a lot of chatter about the so-called controlled opposition that's out there. And Sasha has probably been uh, attacked as much as anyone else and accused of this kind of controlled opposition thing. And I really do not like to go there. Uh, in terms of this program, the shift is uh, about unifying the scene as much as possible. Uh, I've seen so many people say, oh, I, if I disagree with so-and-so, or I don't like their methodology, or for some reason I distrust, maybe I distrust their background, or they have a certain amount of wealth, and so I distrust that. And then instantly they become controlled opposition. And I've literally seen people 
Uh, basically, if someone has a different interpretation than them about some minutiae of history or current events that they disagree with, and suddenly that person is just doesn't know what they're talking about in their controlled opposition. So uh, I, for one, was happy to have Sasha on the program just to be able to have a conversation and get his opinions and ideas and his uh, particular perspective. And I do believe that he has done a lot of work to raise awareness uh, on the planet. And he does have connections uh, with uh, a lot of, of the more upper class uh, around the world, people in the United Nations, um, and he has access um, into those hallways. And I think that we need to uh, unify as many people as possible. So uh, again, I for one am happy that he's been doing that work. And, uh, and I'm sure I'll probably hear some comments uh, about all of these rumors that float around, but I really like to take a person's philosophy at, at face value and uh, have these conversations with individuals as individuals and, uh, and uh, try to avoid all of that kind of speculation as much as possible. So that's just my couple of cents worth about that. I just want to remind everybody again that they can find Sasha's stuff at humanitad.org. Um, that's where you'll find uh, a lot about the Humanitad Foundation and some of the stuff that they're doing around the world. They've got a few different initiatives that are happening um, that you could look into. Some uh, sustainable community in Sierra Leone is one. A lot of sustainability initiatives and community initiatives where... Uh, you know, they're based on this liberated society where uh, people have healthcare freedom, where uh, the big corporations don't really have total control, and people can choose to develop healthcare systems or sustainable agriculture systems, sustainable building, uh, all of these kinds of things. And, he's, and he does get uh, really high class experts to work with him on these projects. So I urge you again to go to humanitad.org and check those out. And also, uh, just to remind everyone, as he said, he is beginning this Lazarus Initiative in uh, March 21st, 2021. And this is going to be a series of symposiums throughout the year. And he does get really high quality guests to do these symposiums when he puts them on. And so I'm looking forward to this. I think there's going to be a lot of really good knowledge uh, contained and it'll be worth it to check them out. So you can go to sashastone.com. To find out more as uh, as he gets more guests and he starts to organize this more, it's just coming up next month. So if you sign up for the newsletter there, then you can stay in touch with Sasha and continue to get uh, updates as that initiative progresses. So uh, thank you all for listening. This has been The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKinty, and you can find all of my stuff again at www.theshiftnow.com. Got a lot of a lot of free content, uh, almost 200 interviews at this point, probably posted under the free content tab. And, uh, of course, you can sign up for the newsletter, and I'll send you uh, everything that I produce each week, my weekly newsletter. And that's a great way to keep tabs. Um, I'm starting to really try to get people to go to the website and sign up for the newsletter. So uh, that's my primary form of distribution rather than depending on social media, which has become so untrustworthy uh, in these last few years. So again, go to www.theshiftnow.com. You can check me out there. I am on social media, The Shift with Doug McKenty on Facebook and YouTube, at McKenty on Twitter, and uh, a variety of other social media sites now, uh, Gab and Minds and Float, uh, MeWe, 
Uh, I'm really expanding. I'm on brand new tube. Actually, I've got all my videos, most of my videos, my, my latest, my last couple seasons up on uh, brand new tube. So that's a good place to go. I try to upload on BitChute, but um, it's been challenging. It doesn't seem to really want to process my stuff. So I've only got a couple of videos up there. But for now, uh, YouTube and Facebook hadn't shut me down yet. So we're still good to go and you can check it all out. Um, again, uh, you can hit the website theshiftnow.com and that is the best place to go especially signing up for the newsletter all right i will be back again next week with uh, another episode of the shift and uh, please remember to like subscribe or share when you're listening to this on your favorite social media sites uh, as i am relying on listeners like you to help distribute all of this uh, stuff and uh, thanks again for checking it out we'll see you next week take care <music>